0: Hi, this is Craig. Thank you for tuning in and checking out this uh this story here that we're gonna be talking about in a few minutes. It is a special one today. It's a special one in regards to what has been going on at my local church lately. As of this recording, we have had a number of weeks without a formal sermon message. Our pastor is so in tune with the Lord right now that. He is taking us to higher levels with the Almighty. We have worship. We have people speaking out. There's words of encouragement. There's prophecy. There is scripture. That is our teaching. That's our message right now. Getting more in tune with God. Getting more in tune. Trying to uh, cleanse ourselves, so to say. Because sometimes in our lives... Uh, they're so full of stuff you know we're we're unable to focus on anything else except our stuff our stuff's piled on more stuff it's it's shoved back as far as it'll go in the closet it's crammed right up to the door of our uh, uh, right up to the door so that it barely closes and this is our junk closet with stuff just like most of us have a what we call a junk drawer in, in the kitchen just with Stuff that we need on an everyday basis but nowhere to put it so there's usually a drawer. Well, this is a closet full of stuff. And soon we find ourselves having to get rid of something in that closet in order to make room to put new stuff in there. Well, we need to do that on a regular basis for our minds and our hearts and our lives too. There are life-cluttering habits and activities, desires, relationships and of course, the material goods that we deal with all the time. And there may only be bad because of the space in our lives that they take up. And because they crowd Jesus either to the back burner or push him entirely out of our lives for seasons of time. See, Jesus made room for you and I at the cross to make room for you and I in his plan of salvation. And since he made room for you and I in his death, along with making room for us in heaven, we should make room for him in our lives. In Luke 10, 38-42, we see that Martha is the source. There's some good lessons here if we just really look at it hard. And the verse starts, it says, Now as they were traveling along, he, Jesus, entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his every word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, You are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. And for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. The title of today's message is Make Room for God. And in today's message, we're going to hear what we need to do to make room for him in our lives, to clean out the clutter. Now, I'm sure her. House, Mary's house was spick and span in order. I mean, everything was in its place. But Martha's mind was cluttered by anxiety. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Not all clutter is inherently bad. It might be all good stuff, but it just becomes too much and too much more. And then it's a hindrance and a bondage. And it crowns out all the other things in our lives. But you know, it amazes me how quickly we accumulate stuff. It could be like mm, walking through a muddy field. Every step we take, we collect more and more mud. And you're plodding along and it's getting harder to walk. And you just bog down, right? And But every time we go out, we seem to collect more stuff. It's just new stuff. But there is clutter that is inherently harmful. And we need to get rid of this kind of stuff. Some people, like Martha, clutter their minds with needless anxieties and fears. Like, what if uh, a sinkhole swallows my house? Or a snake is in my bed? Here's something that I read once that uh, someone was so worried about because of the different climate change, you know, you get into that politics and stuff, and they say, I know I'm going to be hit by a tsunami when I'm on vacation. And well, yeah, all those things could happen, I guess, but I I believe the odds are against most of it, and worrying about it won't prevent it anyway. Some people clutter their minds with immoral thoughts, and others clutter their minds with negative, dark, even violent stuff what they watch and what they get in from social media and all that and then there are people who clutter their minds with just too much speculation about useless stuff here's a classic which came first the chicken or the egg who cares i have them both and how many angels dance on the head of a pin who takes time to try to figure that one out where did Cain get his wife anyway what Did we exist in heaven before we were conceived on earth? Oh my gosh, does any of that really matter, for goodness sakes? In 1 Timothy 4.7, Paul wrote, Have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And he was telling Timothy in 1, 1 Timothy Uh, 1, verses 3 and 4, he says to him, Instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies, which give rise to more speculation, rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. Other people clutter their minds with so-called Christian inspirational books. I don't want to sound judgmental here, or negative, but I want to be clear that everything and everybody claiming to be a Christian is truly a Christian. If they deny or contradict or even wrongly apply God's word from the Bible, they just simply clutter our minds. Now, to make room for Jesus, his word needs to crowd out all the clutter. He has to be our main focus. So... If you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. That's Colossians 3, verses 1 through 2. Where amongst the clutter of our minds and lives is there room for Jesus? Where? Where? We could always follow the example of this one little girl I read about from her Christian school. From the teachings and everything, she heard about Jesus coming back. She immediately kind of got, not not panicked, but uh, oh my gosh, worried. And she started cleaning out her desk. She discarded wads of paper, the worn-out pens, the broken pencils, the, the candy wrappers that, was, that were in there, believe it or not, little food snacks that she had snuck in. It was just clutter. And the teacher asked, you're cleaning out your desk. You're just getting rid of everything. Is everything okay? And she says, if Jesus would come today, I should have wanted him to see my messy desk. Make room for Jesus, clear out the clutter, because he's coming back. And since he's coming back soon, we need to make the most of our moments. Now, remember Martha, she was, quote, distracted with all her preparations. She spent all this time for Jesus. But Mary spent time with Jesus. Let's say that again. She was so distracted with all her preparations, spent time for Jesus. Mary spent time with Jesus. We will do more for Jesus if we spend more time with him. I, I know that you know, all of us we sometimes become so busy with life and we don't have the time. Well, not. My goodness, that doesn't sound very good. Rather, we don't devote the time for Jesus in our hectic schedules. And it's not that we don't have the time. No, it's a matter of how we use our time. Procrastination is the nemesis of productivity. A sluggard does not plow in season. So at harvest time, he looks, but he finds nothing. That's Proverbs 20, verse 4. Now, in Paul, in Ephesians, he advises us, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Gentlemen, Charles Francis Adams, he was a 19th century political figure and a diplomat, a pretty important guy at that time, of course. Well, he kept a diary. One day he entered in the diary, went fishing with my son today, a total day wasted. Well, his son, Brooke Adams, he also kept a diary, which is still in existence today, believe it or not. And at that same day, Brooke Adams made this entry in his diary, went fishing with my father, the most wonderful day of my life. The father thought he was wasting his time while fishing with the son, but his son saw it as an investment of time. Jesus never considers it wasted time when he spends it with us. And how do you feel about it? Are you checking a box to say that, oh, I spent time with God today. I read a little bit of his word. Do you find it uh, sometime, I don't want to say annoying, but just not the right time because of so many things going on in your busy schedule? How do you feel about that? Is it wasted time? Back to Martha. She would have made better use of her time learning at Jesus' feet. Mary made room for Jesus by investing her moments in fellowship with him. And so we may may too also. And until we make, take the time with him, we won't make room for him. Bill Gallagher said, there is no room for Jesus in our hearts when we're rushing around, pushing to get more done, and trying so hard to make other people happy. Well, let's make room for Jesus by making the most of our moments. And furthermore, we may need to adjust our attitude about this whole thing. Martha didn't do anything wrong. Preparing... Meals and and preparing other things for Jesus was a good thing. But in doing it, she developed an attitude. She was miffed, right? She was becoming more irritated by the minute. If you just read through and listen to it. Her attitude was snippy and it was self-pitying. It was about her. She complained, Lord, Do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. Yeah, she was doing good, but Mary was doing even better. Mary did something with Jesus and enjoyed his company. Martha did something for Jesus and went all about poor me attitude. Yeah, there are negative attitudes and there are positive attitudes. There are unhealthy attitudes and healthy attitudes, ungodly attitudes, and of course, godly attitudes. There are some examples of unhealthy attitudes. Include uh, grudge bearing. Oh, poor me! Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to eat some worms. a little catchphrase as a kid. I don't know if you recall that, or maybe your children said that little phrase. But that just, I just kind of stuck that in there to have a little chuckle for myself. Anyway. Unhealthy attitudes continue with smugness, conceited, your superior arrogance, oh, bigoted, racist, predisual hate, I mean, we have seen it all. We could go on and on for hours about unhealthy attitudes. We could have a whole podcast and talk about unhealthy attitudes and really fall into the doldrums. So we're not going to do that. But on the other hand, healthy attitudes include benevolent generosity, gracious, merciful treatment of others, optimistic, hopeful, peace of mind, yes, humble, willing obedience to Jesus, and sharing faith with others, setting a good example of Christian living each day, and most importantly, spending that quality time with our Heavenly Father every day. Spending meaningful time. Let me make that straight, not just click the box. Now, I found out that we all adjust our attitudes negatively or positively by what we think about, what kind of stuff we stuff into our minds, and who we allow to influence us. That is the catch there. And a quick timeout. You can find out about these influences that we just spoke here, how they impact us in a soon-to-be-published podcast that I've titled who influences who today? So kind of look for that when that comes out. It's uh, it's uh, not ready, quite ready to be published, but it will be here soon. Okay, enough of that uh, commercial break. Your attitude matters because it determines what direction we take on different topics. Yeah, it affects relationships from one day to the next, and to the next, and to the next. Every day, it influences our feelings towards others. What ah, You know, that is going to be a wonderful podcast when it comes out. Who influences who? But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about making room for God in our lives. And to make room for God, we need to adjust our attitude. Yes, one old guy, there's a story. There's one old guy who had a reputation for greed, as so many do. And he took, but he never gave. And he ended up in the hospital one day, and he nearly died. And that event made him wake up and smell the coffee, as they say. It was a light bulb went off. His neighbor visited him daily and quietly prayed for him. He survived, and when he got out of the hospital, he showed up at church. Hadn't been in church in years. He didn't put any money in, though. But as weeks passed, he was moved by the word. He was moved by the Holy Spirit, got a hold of him, and he gave his life to Jesus. He was baptized. He became a new man, and his attitude changed from greed to generosity. And one day, he learned about a needy family, and since he had a, a smokehouse business where he smoked meat and, and, and sold and so forth, He had several nice hams that he he was smoking that were really fresh. He decided to give a ham to the family. And he went into the smokehouse to get it out. A thought came flashing through his mind. "I Just give them the the little one. Well, After hearing that voice in his head several times, he blurted out, Satan, if you don't leave me alone, I'm going to give them every ham in the smokehouse. His new attitude made room for Jesus, and he was making a difference for Jesus and the Christians. I want to take a few minutes now as we're getting close to finishing here. We want to look at the life of Elisha. Elisha was a protege of Elijah, and he became a prophet just like Elijah. After Elijah went to be with God, Elisha took over the ministry, sharing to the Israelites about the miracles of God and, and urging them to know Him. And when Elisha traveled throughout Israel, he would often stop in the town of Shunem. There, a husband and wife befriended him and had him stay with them whenever he passed through the area. Second Kings 4 9 through 10, this is the wife talking now. And she said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room for him. And then he can stay there whenever he comes, up, uh, comes to us. Did you catch that? Let's make a small room. Let's make room for him. She did make room for this godly man. She cleaned out her house. She moved things around. She made a special room. She made room for this stranger. Well, the innkeeper made room in a manger for Mary and Joseph for the birth of Christ. He made room for Christ. And how about today's people? Foster parents cleaning out their home, rearranging things to make room to serve and save a child. Or how about those that open up their homes to make room for their missionaries as they come passing through town? There are plenty more stories in the Bible and people today that are making room for others. Just like we've been talking here today, though. Cleaning out the closet of our heart and our lives to make room for God to come into our lives. Getting rid of all that stuff. I'm going to close with this challenge to you. What would happen if you made room for God in your life? What would happen? Well, behold, I stand at the door and knock. That's Revelations 3.20. Jesus knocks on the door of your heart because he wants to have a relationship with you. But he will not break it down. He will patiently wait for you. He allows you to decide whether to open the door or not? Have you decided to clean out the clutter in your life's closet to make room for him? Or is there still no room at the end, which is your heart? Lord, what an awesome message here that you've given us today. Making room for you. Get it. Excuse me, I'm so excited here. Getting rid of the clutter in our lives. Getting rid of the stuff that has no meaning where you are first. Bless those hearing this message so that they take hold of what you're telling us. Take hold of rearranging our life to make room for you and that we can follow you. Amen. Blessings, my friend, and hope to have you with us again soon.